Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of 3 In, 3 Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I'm joined by Brandon Schultz. We are, we're going to be talking about this loss to the Packers. We're going to be talking about some what-ifs. We're going to be talking a little bit about the season we just had. You know, Brandon, I'm still a little, a little sullied, a little downtrodden. I, I'm kind of out of the funk that I was in a, a, immediately after the game or a day or two after the game. But Brandon, how are you feeling after... You know, we almost come back. We almost do it again. And we come up just a little short once again. Kind of the season for that. 2019 is like just a little short. How are you feeling uh, after a loss in the playoffs, ending our season, the Green Bay Packers? Just about the best thing I can say for my Seahawks fandom is the opportunity to do shows like this, do the post-game shows, uh, talk with Rob about it. Because I feel like every time I talk about you know, just talk through the the games and whether it's this loss to the Packers or any of the losses through the season. The more I talk about it, the better I feel. So this is this is like you're hearing therapy, and uh, that's that's the best way for me to get it out. Yeah, it is. It is cathartic. I believe is is the right word. I think that's that's a word that goes along with that. And <laughs> and 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 I feel the same. It's like you know, if you're sitting there and you're bottled up and you and you don't have anybody to talk about this with, it could just kind of lay on you and keep on keep on bringing you down. Which is why I absolutely adore, you know, the uh, the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor, of course, on Facebook. You got to go to getintheflock.com and become a member of that. It is an awesome community, and even in this loss, even when we do fall, you know, fall just a bit short. It's mostly positivity. Sure, there are some of the the fire Pete crowd in there as well because we see that permeating throughout Twitter. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of that today as well. But for me, Brandon, you know, just to start with the, the season as a recap, I do feel like the season is a bit of a, just a big what if, you know, like what, what if we let Russ cook just a little bit more? Green Bay wasn't that much better. I, I don't even think they are better than us. Certainly in certain areas, they get, they had more talent. But what if we saw more, more Amadi early? What if we saw more uh, Shaquem early and more often? Like, what if we saw less Leno and, and it didn't take us forever to figure out Tedrick Thompson and Taylor earlier in the year? It seems to me that this team was pretty darn close and the exit we took was pretty much exactly the exit that probably fit this team this year in 2019. Yeah, and I think that's where I end up coming out and, and, and maybe why I'm not quite as frustrated because you looked at the team, especially after the Arizona Cardinals game when Chris Carson went down and having Rashad Penny gone down a couple weeks earlier, you started to look at this team differently. And yes, you know, Russ can do a lot of amazing things, but can he do it all himself? And I think even almost, almost, almost. That's <laughs> I mean, maybe and, if you <laughs> and that's what I said going into the last three games, you know, this team is going to go as far as Russell Wilson can take this team. And yeah, okay, they, they ran it three times to Marshawn Lynch on one drive after he picked up eight yards on first down. 
you know what? If Russell Wilson gets sacked on second down and then throws an incomplete pass on third down, everybody is also saying, what are you doing not running the ball with Marshawn Lynch against a soft Packers run defense that's shown statistically that uh, they give up runs to teams that have the same running style that the Seahawks run with? So, you know, I, I have a hard time pointing to just one drive and saying, oh, well, the Seahawks didn't let Russ cook enough. And because really, to me, that's that's the only time you can point to is the time that they ran in back to back situations. So, you know, I, I understand it as a narrative for the season as a whole. But to to try and jam that narrative into the game against the Packers, it just seems a little forced to me. I happen to agree. And I'm, I'm not on the fire Pete uh, bandwagon. I just don't agree with it. Obviously, Russ is the guy. And you can't underscore what Pete gets out of this team. It, listen, when, when the year is over and you hear, you hear that clowny literally like kind of goes back upstairs to talk to Schneider and be like, I love it here. Like something is going very right when a guy like that with his talent can go, you know, basically take care of all of his chickens, right? He can take care of all the chickens he wants to take care of as much as he wants to, as many chickens as he wants, Brandon, that you could have. And he comes out and says, I love it here and I want to play for a team that can win. So hopefully that's just a precursor that we, we end up getting Clowney back. We, of course, we shall see and we, we shall see how many chickens the man does want. But, but at the end of the day, it's like, listen, culture does matter. Culture matters a whole lot. So I am not on the fire Pete bandwagon. Of course, I have frustrations. I'm not, not deaf, dumb and blind to, to seeing things going, you know, going down 18 in the first, the first half again and then seeing an almost epic comeback fall a little short. It's like, man, we probably could have won that game. If we did a couple of things differently, and with that, I'm I'm okay. I'm at peace, if you will, Brandon. I'm at peace with the way this year ended, and I'm fired up for next year. So, Brandon, we're gonna keep our tradition. Although it's the last game of the year, we're still gonna go three in, three out. The good side, the bad side, the nooks, the crannies, the whole thing already. Everyone who listens to three and three out, they know the golden rule that when we win, we start with an in. We lost. It's the last game of the year. Why don't we just get to the out already and, and begin this dance and go out with a bang? What do you say? Let's do it. All right, Brandon, before we hop into this first out, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bond. Brandon, tell the good people, the good people of Earth and those, you know, these beams, they fly. They, they, they keep going. These are photons that keep going into the universe, into the multiverse, Brandon. Where could the folks who are out in the multiverse find you? What can they follow? What can they subscribe to? Follow on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, if you're just tuning in at fieldgoals.com on the web player, uh, go ahead and find a way to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. Go to sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts, and you can click any of the buttons there. That'll help you figure out how to get the show each and every time so you don't have to come looking for it on the website. You, you click a button. It's pretty, it's probably, a, probably, it's probably red or green. It's probably says subscribe, click the damn thing, and then voila, it shows up to you and you got Seahawks content. But Brandon, you, you and the team, you put, you put amazing content out all year during the long offseason. So again, golden era for Seahawks content, and thank you for doing what you do. People, subscribe. It's damn simple. All right, Brandon, we got to get into it. So the first out, the first out already, listen, you know, there's that, that terminology out there that like, you know, that guy's a jag, right? Like just a guy. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Bill Parcells, just a guy. My out, I'm going to hop right into it is, listen, Travis Homer can't be returning kickoffs. Travis Homer, it's 21 to three. It's seven, nothing early. Green Bay is doing this cute little thing where they're kicking it purposely to the seven yard line, five yard line. 
They're not letting it cross the goal line. I don't think I don't think that was done without purpose. I think it was very much done on purpose. Travis Homer to me shows off as a guy who is just he's a jag. He's just a guy. Not that that's a terrible thing. Not that you can't have a okay career being like a Robert Turbin type and have a nice little career. That's okay. A kickoff guy, you need burst. You need to be daring, and you got to have that kind of one cut. Take that one cut and you go, and you just go forward and get as much as you possibly can. This game to me showed enough in this one, you know, maybe six six attempts the dude had that he should not be returning kicks for an NFL team. And we just didn't get any field position on any of those attempts to break it out to say like the 40, the 50, the other team's 40. And it also seemed like we never even had a chance. It was always like the 15, the 18, the 21, the 25, if we were lucky. I just am, as the season ends, some of the ins and outs are a little bit of like, uh, you know, kind of a closing to the season. I'm not so high on Travis Homer going into the into the offseason. And with the the injuries that we got with uh, with Penny and Carson, it's got a it's a big question mark hitting me saying, man, what are we specifically going to do? Will these dudes get healthy? And what are we going to do when it comes to the draft time, too? Because I don't know about you, Brandon. Travis Homer is to me. He's a jack. Yeah, and obviously with this show, you like to get into the nooks and the crannies, talk about things that maybe not everybody is talking about. I feel like Lano Hill taking plenty of heat in this game, oh, so I don't know if yeah. we're, we're going to get to him. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's moments like this that I think probably fly under the radar to most people. And in this game, maybe you're to look at it and you go, okay, five returns, 97 yards. It, it's kind of an okay stat line. And you look at the longest one he had, which was 25 yards, and you say, you know, if it goes into the end zone, anybody, you pick up 25 yards just by taking a knee. And 25 yards for Travis Homer, yeah, that was his third longest of the season. And his first return was 29 yards, and he had another 27-yarder. And that's just, when you're returning kickoffs, that's not good enough to actually bring it out and risk the fact that you're probably going to come up short of the 25 more than you're going to get beyond it. So you got to have a dude back there who's going to do better. And he seemed like he could be that fearless type of guy on the kickoff returns. So, you know, going into the draft, this is where you look to see if there's any young rookies that might be able to fill this role now going to 2020. Yeah. I mean, just some dude who's like super, like just, you know, obviously you can catch the ball. That That's number one. Got to secure the ball. And it just has that 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 super fast twitch. I also think Lockett is, this is not the part of his career where he should be returning kicks. And he's kind of lost a tiny bit of that fast twitch when it comes to kickoff return. He's still a damn good, you know, route runner, super savvy. He proved that in this game and proved it the entire year, of course. Um, we need to solve for that. Going into 2020, into this year, come September, whatever the opening game is, I want a different dude back there with some fast twitch, you know, one cut decisions who could get us consistently 30, 35, 40 yards when the ball doesn't sail into the end zone. It doesn't happen that often. You've got to take advantage of those. And Homer's just not the guy. So, yep. And you know what? That's, that is what three in, three out is all about. It is finding these little things that others are not quite talking about. You know what? I think I got one on the inside of the ledger as well. So why don't we go over there? Okay. So I blatantly lied about an in that's going to be under the radar for the first in. Brandon, this is going to be short and punchy, at least, at least this part to get it over to you. I cannot, I couldn't be more excited. I know people loved it. It was probably the highlight of the game. Dare I say, maybe the highlight of the season. Listen, the Griffin brothers getting that sack 
Keem getting his first sack in the entire NFL, the way like Clowney kind of backed up and, and, and you saw dudes gravitationally pull towards Clowney, opening the hole, and then Keem firing through. And then, of course, Shaquille meeting him there. To me, could not be a better moment. I talked about the what ifs earlier, Brandon. Like, what if, you know, Keem was out there 20% more this year? Would we have won a game or two? Would we have put more pressure on Rodgers like we saw in that play? That to me was the play of the game. It was so much immense pride, you know, given everything that that guy's been through, the fact that he does it with his brother. I'm beaming still right now talking about that. First of his career, doing it with Shaquille. That's an in. I know it's been talked about, but I want to celebrate it. <laughs> hey, some of these things you just can't pass up. And right. this was a moment that I think transcended the entire season. And for Shaquem Griffin, just to get his first sack, and we've seen him used just situationally. I do feel like he is going to be just a, a situational type pass rusher because of his size, but an important guy to have out there in certain scenarios because of his speed. And for him to get his first sack, you know, it's such a critical moment of the game. Yeah. It did it did seem to line up perfectly for the potential of a storybook type ending. And uh, it didn't happen, but, you know, for that moment, I know that there are so many Seahawks fans out there that were, it it, it made the game enjoyable. It it brought uh, a smile to your face in terms of the entire season, just like Marshawn Lynch coming back for three games. It was, it yeah. was just something that, you know, even though it, this team didn't have enough to make it all the way to the end, I think we're going to have these memorable type of moments from this 2019 season. And this will be one of them. And I think you put it best. It was out on Twitter. I think you encapsulated the whole season with something. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but it was around the line of this has been, you know, simultaneously the most fun and most frustrating year that, that you could, you know, that you could remember as a Seahawks fan. And I think this is kind of a microcosm of that. It's like, even in, within this loss, that was a very, very special moment. And and to me, it's just the story in my head is like that's the kind of thing that was going through your head when you wrote that that uh, that tweet that was very well received. The season me. has been fun, but uh, you know, week in week out, it's been a little stressful, and so I recognize that among fellow Seahawks fans, it's you know when you go in and have so many expectations for winning, and you know Russell Wilson can get you there, and then every week it's coming down to a last minute drive and. The fortunate thing is that the Seahawks were able to come out on top more than they ended up losing in late moment fashion. And so it, it has been a fun season. 100% I agree with that. It is, you know, again, at the end, at the end of the end of the end, this is for entertainment. This is for passion. This is for having a community, enjoying this with, with, with other people. I, again, I live all the way over in Connecticut. I'm on the East Coast and I, I'm able to, you know, A, do this with you, but also celebrate this. With all the folks I met because of this thing that pulls us together, which is which is really, really wonderful. You know, the social aspect of life, it matters. It matters big time. I also work from home. I'm a remote worker. So I don't even see that many humans that often. Very, very, <laughs> very often my wife's like, You want to do Starbucks today? Maybe you want to put pants on, you know, like, like get out of the house, dude. So, you know, having that social contract that we do have with uh with the the Hawks fans, it's a big deal. And this is this is one that brought us together, which is which is and I wanted to bring that out. It's it's a loss, but that in meant a heck of a lot to me and obviously to you, Brandon, as well. All right, Brandon, we're back on the outside of the ledger. And again, we're trying to keep these maybe a bit pithier, maybe a little punchier this week and get right to them. 
And with that, it's the it's some of these that are the closures, right? The things that are closing out the season. So my out, listen, I think we all like this guy and we all respect this guy. And given all the things, like given all the caveats and all the qualifiers, he did an okay job. But I'm also okay if I never see Joey Hunt as our center again. You know, like I like Joey Hunt. I respect the dude for what he did. And I just can't see, I just can't see us get blown up so often, like over and over again with like major whiffs where, where the left side of our line is getting like locked down. You know what, Brandon, I'm going to even call an audible. I'm going to lump a Fetty right into this damn thing because, <laughs> because a Fetty gave us four years of, uh, you know, the very best you could say is four years of mediocrity, you know, like that's the very best. Uh, more like very much four years of inconsistency and four years of frustration and four years of not being a very good, you know, a very good right tackle, being a subpar right tackle that someone's probably going to go pay $10 million a year. But that combination, I'm hopeful Brit obviously comes back healthy, but that combo on the right hand side of seeing Hunt, Fluker, you know, gets a bit of a pass and maybe that's not even fair to the other dudes. But like that right side of the line, the the whole out to me is listen. You got dudes like Fant and Brown playing with uh with one knee, and they're holding their own over there. I'm just so frustrated with the right hand side of that line, just not good enough. Look at the PFF grades, you know, year after year. Is this the year we finally spend some sincere draft capital high, you know, first round draft capital, and we shore up the right the right hand side of that? Or hey, but we got cap room, we got cap space. You know, can we open up a bit and kind of, you know, I know we traded for Dwayne Brown, but can we could just go get like another dude who's kind of entering that Dwayne Brown stage of their career and help solidify the right-hand side of the line? I, Brandon, I know I said I was going to be short, that I was the opposite <laughs> of short. I threw a lot at you. I talk, we're talking Hunt. We're talking Afedi. I don't think I want to see those dudes on the line for us really ever again, unless it's an emergency situation and then we need Hunt back there because the, the guy played admirably and he, and he at least he Looks like he's trying out there. Anyway, tons of words for you, Brandon. Please take this from me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rip this out away from you. Yes. And, uh, and for, first of all, Joey Hunt, I mean, you're adding insult to injury in this year. The dude since week nine was playing on a broken leg. I know it's like a micro fracture <laughs> in his fibula or something, but you know what? A fractured bone is a broken leg. So, you know what? I'll give him a little bit of grace. And I actually... You know, I, I know what you mean in terms of starting level type player. Like you might not want Joey Hunt as your starting center going into the future. Correct. I do want him, though, as a backup. Yeah. And this is his last year on under contract for the Seahawks. I'd like to see them pick him up. I don't know if he's going to be in demand from other teams, but this is a guy, it seems to me, that you reward for coming in and filling in in the way he did playing injured the way he did, dislocated his finger against the Packers. What does the dude do? Just put some tape on it, comes back out. It's on his hand that he snaps the football with. So, you know, I like that kind of toughness, especially in a backup player when, you know, you're counting on him instead of going to a dude like Jordan Roos who hasn't played center. That made a huge difference to me, uh, just the toughness of Hunt. And I also know what you mean about a Fetty. So I, I like your in out audible uh, in this case of going, okay, yeah, I, I'm going to throw in a Fetty on this too. The nicest thing you can say about him is that he played all of the snaps at right yeah. tackle. 
And so he was the one guy who was healthy throughout the entire season. But at the same time, you want more from that spot, especially protecting Russell Wilson, especially with the pass rushers that we see on both the left and right side of the line. Russell needs that protection and whether or not you can go out and make a trade now for uh, that spot or in free agency. I don't know if you're going to find necessarily somebody at a good price in free agency. It seems like when the Seahawks have the most success, it's going out there and trading for guys. And if you think about just this past season, right? Sure. Three of their best moves came via trade, trading for Jadavion Clowney, trading for Quandre Diggs, trading up to get DK Metcalf in the draft. You know, John Schneider with the trades, he he was money. And so if he can uh, make some magic happen again at right tackle, I'd like to see that in the offseason. Yeah. And, and thank you for calling me out on Joey Hunt a little bit. And like, you know, and that's probably why my mind and probably my heart and my soul was like, dude, why are you ragging on Joey? <laughs> I, I, I don't want him starting for Seattle. So I could be a little bit more crisp and clear with that. I don't want to see him starting. I would love to see that dude back because he does have that kind of mentality and he won't cost a lot of money to be a, to be a, you know, a flexible guy that you can throw in, in a pinch. Um, very difficult to be starting you know, more than half the season for you, especially with, with one fibula on the other side. Do you think there's any way, any way we see a Fetty play another down as a Seahawk? I do think it's possible. And I, and just based on the history of this team, Getting guys, you know, growing guys that they picked up in the draft and they get, they get to that fifth year. And it seems like when some offensive lineman, you know, like James Carpenter, you know, that's when it kind of starts to kick in for him and get things going. So I do wonder with a Fetty, what's his biggest problem? It's, you know, the, the penalties, the false start penalties. And oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's his biggest. I, I mean, that's a problem. I'm not. I, I, I'm not sure I identify that as his biggest problem. Okay. Well, it's right. Maybe not his biggest problem, but it's right up there. I think his biggest problem is is. I think his biggest problem is blocking, which is a hard thing to be your biggest problem as a right tackle. Like, I mean, yeah. how many how many times can we see a, a speed rusher go beyond a guy, or you know, better yet, to get to you know, we talk about the nooks and crannies. How about the play where he leaves Hollister on an island, and it's like, well, Hollister's out there to chip. Well. By definition, if he's the chip guy, there should be some other dude who's the other dude, which is the right tackle. And, and if Eddie just kind of drifts back in the no man's land, does nothing, Hollister gets burned and they get a huge sack. You know, so the more I think through this, Hunt, you, you know, we're going to put you back into some 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 neutral territory. You're not in, you're not out. You're in some sort of purgatory. Afedi, I, I just I. Just got to be done with them mentally. Yeah, that, just, that just play by Afedi, that where Hollister was was chipping and Afedi still can't get back to block. Uh, was it Preston Smith? One of the Smiths. Uh, one yeah, of the Smiths. One, one of the and, Smiths. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that was the biggest dang it Afedi moment in the entire game to me. He wasn't even looking. He was like just you know just kind of he was just kind of moseying back a little bit, look, looking left and right. But it just didn't look all the way right to the dude that's on the edge. And and it was it was so frustrating. So I like I said, I take it all back. You know, Joey, you're cool. Fetty, you're gone. Done. And we are done with the first half of the show. Let's take a quick break, come back, and finish the ins and outs. Hi, Brandon. It took me a while there to, to come to my senses and and get to the, the true out. I'm glad that it came out. And with that, this is the sober yin, the raging yang. To me, there's another, there's a true in on the other side over here. You know, I really like the way McDougal played. 
McDougal had a couple. I, I know this is a rough game. I know Trey got burnt a couple times. I know Leno looked slow. You know, Leno looked slow and couldn't cover, you know, couldn't cover anybody. Really, really, again, those what ifs. What if Marquise Blair doesn't, you know, twist an ankle or hurt his ankle midweek? You know, would that have been Blair in the game? And would he have put some, you know, hats, hats on dudes the way the way he's done all year? Who knows? There's there's some what ifs. And with that, McDougal to me just continued to shine specifically when we got him some help when Diggs came on board. But there was a couple of plays, man. So quarter one, it's seven nothing. It's uh the third and thirteen with McDougald, and there's like a little dump off pass, right? And he makes like a beautiful open field tackle where it's one of those, I think it was to, it was either to Williams or it was to Jones, but it was one of those plays where you're like, you know, someone's going to tackle him, right? Like, cause he gets the ball like with three or four yards downfield and he has a head of steam and lo and behold, McDougal makes a beautiful open field tackle. And then later, much later in the game, 28, 17 Q4, uh, McDougal made another great play on, on Aaron Jones and just these really nice open field tackles where big moments, either stopping first downs or blowing people up for losses. And I feel McDougal deserves some recognition. Once he had a guy like Diggs back there, he could play the strong position the way that he wants to play, which is way up more in the box. And he's a darn good tackler. So I want to give some love to McDougal because in a game where people are really not happy with Leno and the likes of, you know, Trey Flowers getting burnt quite a bit, I want to give some love to McDougal. Yeah, between this game and the last game against Philly, yeah, you brought up that fourth down play where he tackled Jones for a loss yep. and led to a, an important punt in the fourth quarter. And it was Williams that was in the first quarter, which, you know, gotcha. that was a what third and 12 or third and 13 third, yeah. and uh, gets him just short of the sticks and they end up having to punt there, too. So, yeah, coming up with with in big moments and probably if you're looking at, you know, if the, the Seahawks are able to come away with a win, you look back at those plays and those are the type of plays that are really critical in stopping Aaron Rodgers in this game. And yeah, he, he had a big role in this game. He had a big role in the Philadelphia game and a guy I'm absolutely looking forward to having coming back. You know, the entire starting secondary, if it's Quandre Diggs, Bradley McDougal, Trey Flowers, I know he had such a rough game in this and uh, and probably not outworthy because I feel like everybody's bagging on Flowers too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I expect him to come back strong in his third season, much like Shaquille Griffin came back in his third season among those four players. And then with backups like Marquise Blair, that this can be, you know, a, a much better secondary if you give them a pass rush up front. So definitely looking forward that, to that in the offseason and uh, definitely approve of the in to Bradley McDougal. Hey, I'm glad you approved the message. And, and with that, it's you, you said it right. It's like, hey, if, if we had won the game, those are those are plays we'd look back on and be like, those those changed the game. Like they had a punt or they didn't get this first down or we just, you know, it was a momentum stopper. And hey, we didn't win, but it doesn't diminish the plays, does, does, does not diminish the player. Of all the positions heading into next year, obviously wide receiver looks really, really good. Specifically, if we can get ourselves a WR3, maybe it's Ursua that grows into it. I don't think it's some of the dudes that are on the current roster, and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that coming up with an out as well. But the other position for me, Brandon, is like that safety, that duo, it's darn good. You know, that Diggs trade was so freaking good. You got a great free, you got a really strong, strong, not to be repetitive, but so you have, you have a darn good combo there. Just like it's very, it's almost like a mirror from the offense to the defense, Brandon. 
where we really need a WR3 to emerge next year to kind of complete this circle of, of just talent that's out there, dependable, dependable talent on the wide receiver group. We really need to see whomever it is step up as that nickel guy. We struggled all year. Again, whether that was Taylor and, and other things they tried throughout the year, when they had to put that, that third guy in and play that nickel, which we didn't play all that much, mm-hmm. it's pretty much a disaster. And we saw that again. We saw that again this game. It was just like, Oh man, when we when we're not in the four three base and we and we had to put Leno out there and, and others, just wasn't good. <laughs> it just wasn't good. So some glaring things, and I wonder if uh, you know Rob Staten's going to have some some of the some very similar takes. And hey, get your WR three. Make sure you go get a nickel corner. Let's put it this way: if if Coleman's on this team, Justin Coleman, I think this is a very very different outcome. Now Coleman cost an arm and a leg. Detroit paid for him and paid good money for him. We knew he was gone. That kind of player, Brandon, to me, puts this team back in a position to take that kind of step. And of course, we got to get some pass rushing. Brandon, last out. This is not to me, this is not punting on fourth and 11, you know, with two and a half minutes to go. I see out on Twitter that so many people just destroying Pete, calling him cowardly. It's like, listen, I thought punting was the right thing to do there. It's fourth and 11. You have a damn good punter. You have your timeouts, all that jazz. You need one stop. Had them in third and nine. We had them in third and 11. It could have, the numbers actually, in my opinion, say that we should have gotten the ball back. You know, if you're just going to go straight analytics on this thing, and they're calling, you know, Pete a coward for punting. My out, listen, the, the thing here, Brandon, is I got to give it to Dixon. I got to give, Dixon had, I know if you compare stats throughout the entire year, he had a good second half of the year. He started slow. And again, we're kind of you know encompassing the entire year as we close this out. But Dixon needed to execute on that fourth and 11 punt. And the bottom line is he didn't. I know he bounced the ball at the five. The ball quickly careens into the end zone. The Packers get all, they get those 20 yards back. Now, I know, I know this is a hard thing. I understand it's not, it's not the simplest thing to spin the ball the right way to get that sideways kick. That you know, all of a sudden these these Aussie rule players can do, but that's what we needed, Brandon. We needed him to put them within the five to kind of put that pressure on them to see if the defense could manifest something there. Gave them breathing room. I know it's a little thing, but man, oh man, Dixon's got to wear the out in the biggest moment of the season for him. He failed to execute. Tough, but that's an out for me. Yeah, getting into the special teams part of the game, especially with these outs. But you make a, a really solid point here in the fact that if the Packers are backed up on the five-yard line, it puts just that little bit more pressure on them. You know, you talk about the people crushing Pete for the punting on fourth down, and I know it's kind of a, an armchair quarterback thing when you look at the fact that the Seahawks ended up not getting the ball back. They end up, as you point out, not punting effectively to, to get the ball pinned inside the the five yard line or inside the 10 yard line it comes out to the 20 the only argument that i do want to recognize with the the idea of going for it on fourth down is the the situation with the score and the fact that they were down by five and Mm -hmm. if the packers get the ball on the 36 yard line if they fail to convert on fourth down then the packers are in a situation where yeah, maybe they get three plays and they, and you still because you, your defense still has to stop them in that mm-hmm. situation. Then they're going to have to decide, OK, do we go for it on fourth down or do we kick a field goal here 
and then make it eight points and the Seahawks maybe get the ball back a little bit sooner. Who knows? It's just there. there is that question in my mind if the, the Packers would have had to make decisions a little bit differently in that situation. And I'm, I am kind of curious to know how it would have turned out. I think I, of the two things, I would have rather had a punt inside the, the five or 10 yard line uh, rather than it coming out to the 20 versus seeing what they would do with a field goal. And as we saw with Jason Myers missing that 50 yarder. Yeah. Th- so many situations where special teams came into play in this game and gosh, that's another thing to add on the heap of things you'd like to see improve in the offseason. For sure. And, and it's cold. You know, it's, it's cold out there. The ball's not going to travel as much. That was a, that one was a bit of a head scratcher when they went for the 50-yarder and, and didn't get it. Um, it was okay. We rolled on. And, and I hear you. He and, made the 45-yarder just a little bit before. So I, yeah, I don't know if I could crush the idea of going for it uh, or kicking a field goal from 50 when it's like, hey, it's five more yards. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm actually, again, and that's, and one of the reasons I didn't bring it up too is like, cause I, I think it's, hey, points, points matter. We, we had a chance to put points on the board. He missed a field goal. We, we move on. Um, the, the big thing for me, if I had to make one argument, like one argument to say we should have, we should have went for it on fourth and 11. You know, screw punting. It's just simply that if you're going to go down, go down with your best player. Yeah. You know, let let it's like it's like you know if a, if a dude throws 101 miles per hour in in the major leagues and he gets burnt throwing a uh, you know throwing like a a three two change up to a guy and he leaves it two up in the zone, a guy just belts it and it's upper deck. And it's like wow, you got burnt on your third best pitch, like something like that. So to me, that that emotional argument of if you're going to go down with the ship, then go down with your best dude. That one resonates with me. And who knows? I mean, Russ, <laughs> Russ has pulled out tons of magic in his career and tons of magic this year and even magic within this game. Um, so one part of me, again, that yin and that yang, one part of me was like, go for it. The other part of me was like, I get it. And then back to Dixon, it's like, well, if you're going to do that in Carol's brain, you got to be thinking, he's like, okay, we're going to punt. I've got a good punter. They're going to get the ball at the five, the seven, the three, and then our defense is going to turn it up. And again, that's, that's why for me, Dixon wears the out because in my brain, Carol has a story going, they got the ball at the three yard line and we're going to make some plays. Didn't work out that way. So Dixon's got to wear the O. Okay. One of the, the silver lining here or the wolf gray lining, if you will, Brandon, that, you know, we have to start with an out. We have some rules here and what are we without rules already? And again, I know people are talking about this in, uh, and, and the, and the player's been glorified. And with this being kind of a season recap, I want to give some love to Tyler Lockett. I know that Lockett's being talked about. The big thing for me was why I appreciate his game so much, and specifically this game so much, was the entire week leading up to this game. Brandon, who was the wide receiver you heard about ad nauseum all week long on the Seahawks? Yeah, DK Metcalf, and I loved it. And he he deserved it all. Correct, correct. It was it was DK, which I think was a is that Decarius? Did I see that right the other De-Kalen. day? Like Decalin, Decalin. Yeah. What a what an awesome name. So Decalin, and uh, you know, I, I had friends texting me, uh, uh, Packers fans, good dudes, uh, texting me like, you know, it feels feels to me like Lockett's like a really good number two. Like that's his role. Like DK could be the Calvin Johnson one, and Lockett's better as a two. And I'm, and I'm, you know, some, of course I'm going to some stats and be like, well, I get you. And even with some, some games that he had off this year, he was still like second in the league in touchdowns the last two years, you know, with dudes like Devonte Adams and Tyreek Hill, like right up there with, with production. 
and he had a pretty darn severe leg injury that kept him out for a number of weeks. This kind of game where Lockett's the one, he gets the majority of the targets and just figures out ways to work the middle of the field between the line, the linebackers, and then the safeties. This is where Lockett shines, man. Like, I want to see so much more of this next year. There were a couple of games this year, Brandon, where, where Lockett was maybe 12 targets or higher. Every one of those games, that Russ to Lockett combination was phenomenal. And for my money, it's just not enough times that we use this guy as a true number one. So as, as this season sunsets and as we look into the, you know, what will be the eventual sunrise in 2020, heading into August and September, fired up what we see from DK in year two. The dude had a phenomenal year. I'm actually even more fired up to see what happens if, if Lockett can be you know, really seen as a true number one and get, I don't know, Brandon, like 160, 170 targets a year. What is that dude's ceiling if he gets that kind of treatment? I'm so glad that you brought up Tyler Lockett because this is something that's been bothering me ever since I did the post-game show with Alistair after the game on Sunday is that I finished that show and I thought, holy smokes, I did not even mention Tyler Lockett's name once. And he had the touchdown catch. He had 136 yards. He had an incredible game. And so to me, to overlook that in the in the postgame show, it's it's been digging at me all week. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought him up for the end because it was such a, a notable performance. And it flew it under my radar enough that I didn't even mention it. Uh, I, I do feel like since that he's probably been talked about a little bit more, but uh, it has been bugging me and uh, just another incredible performance by him when, when the game's the biggest and coming up when, yeah, DK was probably the guy who was talked about. Maybe the guy that the Packers focused on a little more. Gosh, imagine if he gets a couple more targets uh, going his direction instead of, you know, Hollister or Turner and Ooh, how Turner, that could yeah. potentially change the, the game late. Yeah, I mean, so A, we talked about this being part therapy. So like watching you smile through the microphone there and like a bit, a bit of like almost like a confessional back to cleanse your hawker. I feel good about that. I feel really good that we're able to bring that, bring that to the forefront. And, you know, we talked about dependable wide receivers. Like, listen, the play to Malik Turner, I mean, a dreadful drop and it's the exact right read. It's like, that's the dude who should have been throwing the ball there. It's just execution. He should, have caught, should have caught the ball. And Hollister had a drop as well. Hollister, like the last quarter of the season, I think he was a little dinged. It's just kind of my take on that because he took a lot of shots this year. Mm-hmm. That dude played a full season. He took a lot of shots, a lot of them to the head, to the knees, a very active tight end. And I think he's just, I think he's just going to have an off season to get his body a little bit, a little bit right because, because he was getting hit quite a bit. But yeah, man, Lockett, Lockett is... Lockett's the real deal. And I'm very optimistic now going into 2020 because I look at the major pieces. Yeah, the running back piece is kind of like, can Carson come back from a bad hip injury? Can Penny come back from a knee? We talked about Homer early, but you got good wide receivers. You got, you know, I think you have a, we have a burgeoning, very, very solid secondary. We got money. We have a great GM and we have, I think the best quarterback in the whole entire league. So there's some wood to chop, but I am, I'm entering this offseason even more bullish than I was last year. All right, Clinton. Well, that puts us through all the ins, through all the outs. We've got the yins and the yangs. Let's get to one of our favorite segments from the flock. Yes. And I'll start one with a nice in from Ron Pepper, who, have, who is, of course, a member of the, uh, the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. But he says, in, we have next year's secondary. We talked about this and we are kind of closing the loop and closing the circle on the year. 
Ron, I think that's a great, we talked about it quite a bit here. We got, we got the safeties. We got some good DBs. Got to tight, just tighten up that nickel cornerback. And I'm with you, man. I think we have a darn good secondary heading into 2020. Christopher Rolf at Agent of Bolas on Twitter coming in and definitely appreciate Christopher's contributions throughout the year. He gives his in to beast mode for coming out of retirement when we needed him, scoring four touchdowns in three games. He mentions the fact that uh, two of those touchdowns came after he put the helmet on the Lynch Funko that he got for Christmas, and uh, <laughs> he apologizes for not doing it at the start of the game, so maybe a little bad Hakra, but uh, it's uh, it, Marshawn Lynch coming back, and I got the same Funko uh, of Marshawn Lynch as well, and I had to break it out because, you know, like Sherman, uh, Sherman's in the box now. Uh, now that he's with the 49ers, uh, I have a, a figure of him doing the the tip uh, at the nice. end of the, the 2013 NFC championship and i had marshawn in the box during the time for his his uh, uh raider <laughs> days but now happy to break him out and uh and give him some time back on the shelf uh, to, to finish out his seahawks and nfl career yeah a, a hall of fame a, a what should be a first bout hall of fame career and christopher thanks so much for you know connecting this year on twitter i didn't know you before this year started i know you're all the way over in germany and that you get a lot of uh, a lot of love and a lot of joy out of this out of this community too so i want to say thanks for for taking time each week to send in your ins and outs another person i got to meet this year was uh, amy holmes who i think uh, correct me if i'm wrong brad did, did amy join the flock fairly recently as well she did yeah i think just in december here yeah i think so that and so so she's been a great contributor too and she says listen she went right. She went right for the jugular. She goes. Trey is an out. Hill is an out. Ugo, I give a pass. I like it. I like just you know <laughs> simple Black Widow style. Like hey, Trey and Hill just did not perform well enough. And and hey, they're outs. Well, I'm going to change it up, Clinton, and I'm going to give the in to one of our reviewers, BJ Pester, through Apple Podcasts, gave us a five star review nice. on the field goals feed and says great. I love the three in, three out. Go Hawks. Oh, that is, that's awesome. So Pester, you, you got a friend in me. That, that's a great thing. Speaking of a friend in me, Schmick, Mickey Swank, another, another guy we got to meet. For me, at least, I got to meet this year through Twitter and, and through doing this. And Schmick is right there as well with Amy. Same wavelength without Lena Hill back on the damn field for one, one big play to Adams that we couldn't afford. And, he's, and he hashtags it, yes, I'm shouting. And uh, yeah, Schmick, I feel you, man. Mickey, I feel you. It wasn't pretty, but we're moving on. But yeah, another out for Leno. We knew we knew we'd see a few of those, Brandon. Oh yeah, I, I had to expect that that Leno would get plenty of the outs uh, when we get to the flock because he just had those moments of you know not getting over to help out Ugo in time on that pass to Adams. You know, being a little bit late on that uh, that last throw to Jimmy Graham that picked up the first down but maybe didn't pick up the first down but <laughs> yes, yes. you know was really really close and we're we're bummed about it but uh with that throw being so low if Leno is there just a little bit quicker and I feel like that's yeah. what we say about Leno anytime he gets the out Every if the time. dude just gets there a little bit quicker he just doesn't have the speed to to be out there an incredible improvement if they have a dude who can fill that role who has a little bit more speed Marquise Blair looking at you. I know he had his ankle hurt uh, leading up to this week and tape, wasn't tape able up. to play in the game. Tape I don't know up. if he even makes the game I if, know. Uh, I know. based on what we've seen and heard from Pete Carroll 
uh, leading up to this game anyway. Yeah, it's it's that that's that's an overarching maybe out that we'll cover in the in the season review that that we want to go do as well. Just getting some of those young pups in sooner. And I'm with you just specifically on that play. Jimmy Graham, he, he's he's not exactly fast nowadays. You know, he's 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 actually really slow and plodding. He's like Larry Holmes on his 49th birthday. It's not fast. You know, so if we had Marquise Blair, who's more of a missile out there. Yeah, maybe he's jarring that ball loose. Maybe he's hitting Graham two yards sooner, and then there wouldn't even be this controversy because they'd be putting the ball back. So it is what it is. We lost. We got to suck it up. Speaking of sucking it up, you know, Hong Kong Hawk all year long. I'm not even sure what sucking up has to do with it, but Bloomy, <laughs> Bloomy's a good guy. And, and the one thing I will respect about Bloomy, or there's multiple things I respect about the man. One thing that I absolutely do respect is that he's, he's not afraid to share his opinions. He's always out there with his opinions. And one he gave, he goes, I hate that this is too obvious to be an out, but third down defense. And, you know, we know that the third and nine, the third and 11, you know, it's it, what were the Packers, Brandon? Nine of 14 is, is my recollection. If, if my math is near correct, I don't even know what that math works out to be percentage wise. All I know 64%. is 64% is that's, that's too damn much. So Hong Kong Hawk, great season by you, man. Thanks for always being there and really keeping things light and having fun with it and always being honest. And, you know, I know you're ending on an out, but you know what? We ended on a loss. So it's, it's kind of poetic. Well, moving on to another out from at Okanaganer on Twitter says with the season on the line, the pass better be going to Lockett, DK or Homer out of the backfield, referring to the first down catch. I think that went the way of Malik Turner being yeah. wide open. We, we covered the fact that yeah, it was it was the right move. But the fact, you know, I will say that going down the stretch here, the fact that they didn't have schemed plays in critical moments to the the top guys to lock it to Metcalf you know if they would have thrown to those guys direction that entire last drive with four minutes left to play I wouldn't have had any complaints and and being able to scheme open some plays particularly to those guys that's that's probably what I the one criticism that I that I would have to Schottenheimer in that situation but at the same time, you know, the offensive line in that game, they were just under duress the entire time. Russell Wilson, as soon as he was dropping back, he was getting pressure. So, you know, I, I understand when the play breaks down, you throw to the open guy. It's just you, you would have liked to have seen that go a little bit more because it was rolling so well up until that point. Yeah, it was it was a tough one. Like that's a, a tough drop. I mean, it was a brutal drop. And the very next play, you see, you know, you see Malik back on the sidelines with the jacket on, kind of just shaking his head like, he knows he's, yeah. he's, no, he's no dummy. He knows as a man like that is going to hurt his chances of probably making the team next year. That that's it. That's how bad of a drop that is. Something that doesn't suck. Lots of things don't suck. Garen Taylor, one of them over on the Seahawkers pod, ring of honor. I like what he did here, Brandon. I'm going to try and fire these off as quickly as possible. He goes in. We didn't get blown out in. We played hard, even though our team was missing so many players in Keem Griffin got his first sack in the NFL in. The 49ers are going to destroy the Packers, which I'm not too sure is an in, but that's okay. We'll, we, can, we can circle to that. He says, in, Beast Mode got two more touchdowns. In, Clowney played like a madman. You know, so he, he rattles off all these ins, and I like the positivity that, you know, Garen's another good dude out there that I got to know a little bit more this year, and, and I appreciate that. So we love the ins, we love the outs, but for Garen to come in and say, you know what, I know we lost, but... Uh, whether that's being a Pollyanna or not, just like, I'm going to give you all the ins and why, th why this is a good ride anyway. All right, Clinton. Well, let's close this out with an in from Hector Mark says, it's been an honor to have laughed, cried, cheered, 
died and to have heart attacks together this season. If we have a three in, three out for the season, that would be a definite in. Thanks to Hector. I want to give a shout out, Brandon, A, to you. You know, this is something that I had done for a couple of years now, kind of on my own. And very, I think after the first week, you're like, hey, you want to just do this, do this segment together? Obviously, you, you've always been so gracious to give me the platform. So I really appreciate it. And man, I got to get out to Seattle this year. I got to meet Floxus Prime, you know, in, in the flesh. I got to meet Lisa Carlson. I got to meet Ed Essie and others. It's something truly unique that you, Brandon, and Adam have built together. And I'm really happy to be along for the ride. It's it's awesome that people like three in, three out. They kind of they get whatever it is, they get joy out of it. And that's that's what I'm trying to do is just spread some joy and give give some content out there. And Brandon, I gotta say thanks, man. You're you're awesome to me personally. And the time you take to make this show what it is, it that's a big in for me, my man. Clinton, it's been an awesome evolution to watch this go from a weekly blog uh, where you blogged about the three in, three outs, and then you moved it to more of a video format that we put up on YouTube, and then to, to evolve into doing this show on field goals every week and seeing you know, five-star reviews come in for people who enjoy it. So it's it's been a fun time watching uh, what you've built grow over the years and now getting to be a part of it and, yeah, and, and growing just this community of people that you've brought up all these people that we never would have met otherwise if not for getting on and and talking Seahawks every week. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely thing and probably enough of a hug fest. We'll close it out there. So Brandon, with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. What was that sound? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What the hell was that? Oh, my goodness. That's funny.